Well, hello there, <laughs> and welcome uh, to episode 43 of Black Band T-Shirt. And uh, it's still Chris bringing you in here. Hello. Um, I'm this time joined uh, by someone who'll be familiar with regular listeners through me talking about them and their opinions secondhand. Uh, and as guest on our Radiohead episode, who, uh, yeah, has the... Um, the task of uh, being my partner as well and living with me. What a task. What a task. Uh, hello, Nikki Bonnet. Hi, Chris Morant. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> anyway, moving forward, Nikki's going to be doing uh, these with me. They're still going to be sort of not every two weeks. They're going to be as and when we can do them. Um Unless such an event should arise where there's an artist that Nikki cannot stand to listen to more than 10 seconds of, in which case I'll find someone else who can. Uh, yeah. And we'll have some different people. On there's only so much I'm prepared to endure, I'm afraid. Yes, as I, as I well know. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, we, are, we are starting today with a band that feel relevant both contemporary, contemporaneously, is that a word? That feels like a word. I've never heard it if it is. I'm, I'm coining it. Uh, and and on a nostalgic level too, uh, New York's Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs. Nicholas was <laughs> quite... Uh, yeah, I mean contemporary because um, they had a new album near the end of last year. Uh, and on a nostalgic level because about a month ago, Fever to Tell, their debut, turned 20 years old. 20 years old. I know. It's frightening. Mostly Nikki's choice to do yeah, yeah, yes. Um, she's got more of a, a kind of history of fandom and relationship with their music than I do. I've been kind of a casual fan on the peripheries over time. Sort of less and less so over time as time's gone, really, until the most recent one. Um, so, yeah, we both have slightly different things we're bringing to this. So, Nikki, what's your... When did you first get into yeah, yeah, yes? What made you get into their music? What was the appeal? So, I'm pretty sure I first heard them... I want to say 2005, 2006. So definitely after Fever to Tell. Probably around when Gold Lion came out. I'm pretty sure that was the first song I heard. And uh, Zane Lowe's Evening Radio 1 show was responsible for like 99% of my music taste back then. So I imagine that he would have played it. Um, Probably got into it that way. Um, And then I went to Reading that year and saw them perform and that kind of cemented my love of mm. the band and Karen O as a front woman yeah. uh, I remember that performance well as well and that will be uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more later on that will yeah. come up again I thought it was absolutely electrifying and they're just on another level live and I'm always looking out for UK tour dates because mm. they're always absolutely worth seeing they're such good fun and yeah just kind of consistently been a fan since then um you know there's been quite a big gap between releases so I've been waiting a long time for them to bring out something new and was just like so excited uh to listen to their new album last year which I'm looking forward to talking about yeah it's going to be an interesting I mean it's it's going to be an interesting conversation generally they're only for a for a band whose debut was 20 years ago because of gaps like you've talked about we've only got five albums to talk about and rank but I mean, I've said in the past before, actually having fewer albums like that almost makes the ranking harder. Oh, definitely. Generally, if a band has put out 
less albums in that kind of time scale it's because they've taken their time with it a bit more you can sort of generally speaking the quality is generally a bit higher a lot of the time um so yeah it's that's been difficult i think my my first it's it's interesting my i I was definitely aware of the band when fever to tell came out but i think because they were became popular amongst similar garage rock revival and and i think indie sleaze you've said uh, yeah that's the term that seems to be being used at the moment yeah I think I think the garage rock, garage rock thing is quite a good link because I think there's definitely a lot of that almost sort of 70s nostalgia in a lot of the production of those bands and things. So we're talking about things like White Stripes, The Strokes. Um, there's definitely some punk in there as yeah, well, I think. Yeah, um, so I was into all that kind of stuff anyway. Listened to, I think it was um, XFM that I would have been listening to a lot uh, then when who would have been playing that stuff quite a bit. Um, and I definitely remember hearing the singles from Fever to Tell, and particularly Maps, being one that I went back to a lot. That was the one that I really connected with. You are old, though. I am old, yes. Um, and I kind of, yeah, I, I have, I have. The only one I actually own a copy of is, is Show Your Bones. Hmm. And I remember the only song I was really, I really connected to from that. On a on a mean, in a meaningful way was Gold Lion, and that was mostly that Reading performance. And then so good didn't keep up after that really, until the the most recent one. So it's been interesting going and actually properly paying attention to the albums for this. This kind of helped to helped me to define what I think of them a little bit more. It's been quite interesting. Um, I'm so intrigued. Yeah. So let's. Let's go into our our rankings, I suppose. We've talked about the fact that there's only five of them, so it's quite tricky. Mine definitely hasn't turned out how I predicted it might do. Really? Overall. So, uh, Nikki, I'll let you go first with your number five, and I've got a feeling I know what it's going to be. <laughs> yeah, so this one was quite easy to pick, um, and I do think it's the general consensus among fans. Uh, my my fifth is mosquito it is also my fifth and i'm kind of disappointed by that i wanted to kind of almost be controversial and not have it as my worst because first my first listen through to the albums in prep for this it was the first time i'd ever listened to the album at all Mm. and actually i quite liked it i thought um just on surface level songs there are some decent songs on it yeah it's just a bit of a mess i mean we'll get into that but yeah no it has in the end it has ended up my number five uh, what's your number four? Oh, choosing between number three <laughs> and four was so difficult because, yeah, the the next four I all love in different ways. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I've gone with its blitz, but I do absolutely love it. Mm. Um, it yeah, I just yeah. <laughs> in my from my again from my initial listen through, it was the first time I listened to its blitz as well. My initial listen through that was my number five. Really? Okay. Uh, My but it's it's not. Uh, So my number four now uh, is 2022's "Cool It Down." Ooh. Yeah. I wasn't expecting that. Kind of disappointed in you. (laughs) Whatever. Yep. What's your number three? Uh, Show your bones. Snap. Again, absolutely love it. But interesting that we both got it exactly in the middle. I think that defines that album a little bit. We'll, mm, we'll talk about yeah. that when we get there as well. Uh, number two. Uh, cool It Down. 
Mm. My number two is Fever to Tell. (coughs) (laughs) What's your number one, Nikki? That means it must be Fever to Tell. It is Fever to Tell. And I'm aware I'm being quite unoriginal with that decision, but... It's difficult. I think I think my top two are very difficult. Being, it, it was yeah. It's just too iconic for me not to choose it. Really. Yeah. yeah. My my number one has ended up it splits, which I did not see. Yeah, coming I wouldn't have all. predicted that. Um, but it's made it's made me realise something about yeah yeah yeah's in general and the side of them that I like the most. So this is, this is which will be quite interesting. Which is something that's changed definitely. So. We're going to do this um, in uh, chronological order, I think, aren't we? Yeah. Is that what we agreed? Yeah, I think go so. Go through, so we can tell the story of the band as we go through a little bit more. Um, which means we are starting with your number one and my number two. And would you say the, ba- the album they are still probably most known for? I think definitely, depending on your age, probably. I think it was such an of-that-moment album and such a defining album of that moment in rock music. You know? I think it's it's it still stands up as one of the best examples of that era of indie. And more to the point, one of the best uh, debuts of that era as well. That was an era of... The, I mean... The one time that on this podcast we've talked about yeah yeah yes before was when we did a top five from indie debuts of the like noughties, um, and this came up. Oh yeah, absolutely! It's an incredible debut. Like I'm struggling to think of many mm. that are better. Um, the raw energy and power never really diminishes. I don't think. No, and like, I mean, I I've got to talk about the artwork because it sums up the sound of the album to me it's such a chaotic assault yeah, on chaotic the senses is the word. <laughs> um i think like, i was i was wondering as well part of do you think part of what appealed to you about them was karen o's kind of presence and attitude in that i think particularly at that time there weren't a lot of women doing that kind of music that would that was like really cutting through I'm thinking about the, the the bands that dominated that scene and that kind of area of music at the time like especially coming from New York and that kind of got the strokes was very I'd say was very male oriented and a lot of the indie stuff the, a lot of the UK indie stuff at that time was very male and laddie yeah I think you're probably right I mean it was the era of what Arctic Monkeys was that well, I mean, it was before that really Kaiser um, Chiefs, Franz Ferdinand, Razorlight. Yeah, talking yeah, that yeah. Kind of era. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think. Yeah, I think you're probably onto something there. I mean, you had people like PJ Harvey, mm. but and I think I think what I'm getting at as well is more to the point. Her being a a female in a band like that, but that wasn't particularly overly feminine. It wasn't like being a, what people would stereotype a female front woman. In I that think... kind of band to be, do you know what I mean? She wasn't. She wasn't playing to. I don't know. She was just very a very unique character. She wasn't afraid of kind of going a bit wild and odd on stage and vocally and. And I think the kind of combination of the screaming, yeah, with that's kind of what I'm getting at. <laughs> essentially, those beautiful, delicate vocals, yeah. like when she wants to use them, yeah. 
um, was just quite abrasive, mm. but also really refreshing. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, like so, so, so the the album got a big push. I think it was on a. I can't. I don't think I made a note of it. But I'm pretty sure it was on a, a major label um, because they had an EP in 2001, I think, self-titled op, uh, self-titled EP that was really popular, and just the like reputation they got from the energy of their live shows like you said meant that there was a lot of buzz and excitement around them um and i know a song that i've never listened to before but you pointed me in that direction of from that self-titled ep was art star which if we're talking about her vocal yeah like it's a full-on hardcore scream going on there (laughs) like it's incredible um yeah so i think this is why i find it difficult to I almost feel like this album sticks out amongst the others the most as a difficult one to rank because after this point I feel like they lost that raw energy they became a lot more refined quite drastically quite quickly I think to a certain extent yeah I mean there are moments on Show Your Bones where that kind of comes out quite Mm. unexpectedly I think but yeah they did move in quite a different direction after this um it definitely stands out as the most kind of frenetic, raw, mm. kind of punk-inspired yeah. record. Um, I think that's. I think it's the punk bit that I'm getting at really the most that sort of gets diluted a lot as as time goes on. I would say their shows still have a real punk mm. energy, um, and a lot of that's down to Karen O. Um, but yeah, it's a very distinctive of its time record I think I I think that's the other thing for me that and is the main thing that has meant it's ended up my number two and not my number one is I do think it sounds like an album from 20 years ago now which is interesting because a lot of the influences and a lot of the things that define it sound are older than that Um, but it's the thing that was very popular at that point again I think that White Stripes thing is a big part of it and I think it's very interesting that some of their wasn't their first ever live performance supporting the White Stripes, which is amazing. I think I read that. Yeah, they supported them. They supported the Strokes very early on, being yeah. a fellow New York band. Um, so they they got sort of head dove head first into that scene quite quickly. Um, worth mentioning as well at this point that the album is produced by. Uh, Dave Sitek of TV on the radio who's produced all of their albums or at least co-produced all of their albums um, without exception which is pretty cool uh, I couldn't find that much else I was looking for other examples of things that he's produced just out of interest so Foles Antidotes he produced oh interesting um, Preservation Hall Jazz Band So It Is which is an album I absolutely adore he produced nice uh, and Weezer's Black Album <laughs> they were the ones that stuck out to me um who, and they were uh, Karen O and uh, Nick Zinner, oh, the guitarist from Yeah Yeahs, uh, met him whilst working together at a Brooklyn clothing store. And that forged their friendship and working relationship for 20 years. Which I think God, is that's cool. cool. Isn't it? Isn't it cool? He went on to drive and manage them for their first tour as well. Yeah, I mean, I really would love to have seen them live, like back in the very early yeah. days. I mean, there's a, I think I don't. I showed you in the end. There's a video I found on YouTube which says like a half hour long, might be an hour long actually, um, full live set of theirs from around that time in Central Park 
I imagine they probably played some pretty small venues over yeah. here as well. Yeah. So, should we start going into some of the songs? I mean, there's a lot. I, for me, this is this. There's there's a lot of songs to choose from here in terms of like favorites. It was quite a tricky one. My my one favorite is. I mean, we may as well just say it. <laughs> I've talked about the song. It's got to be maps. Yeah, I've talked about maps on the podcast before and how much I love it. So it's it's definitely my number one song here. But that's not. That's not a sign of the other songs not being very good. It's a sign of how much I love that song. Yeah, I mean, I know there are a lot of people that when they think of Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's, it's just maps and nothing else because mm. it's such and an that, iconic I song. I mean, I think that was me for uh, still kind of up until very recently, really. And I think there is a lot more to them as a band yeah. than that song, but it is undeniably beautiful. Right. Um, and I think every time I've seen them live... Uh, they play an acoustic version. Yeah, yeah. Which is always really beautiful. It is, but there's something about there's something about Zinna's guitar in that song which oh, makes yeah, it so beautiful agree. for me as well. I think what's really interesting is that she wrote it. She went out of her way to write a song. She wanted to write a love song that everyone would hear and remember. Yeah, the simplicity of it is just beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, so and I mean, I, it's, I think it's just become one of those iconic songs from that well, so-called yeah. indie sleaze yeah, era. Yeah. I see, it's interesting. I found that Interscope is who they were with, so it wasn't Interscope wanted to um, release it as a single earlier on, um, and the band didn't want to release it as a single, which I can kind of get why, because a lot of the time songs like that work much better in the context of an album than, yeah. than as a single. So I can understand why, um, but basically, it got to the point of. February the year after they'd released it and the album had only sold I say only by today's standards it sounds like a lot 124,000 copies which was nowhere near as much as the label were expecting Um, so they kind of gave in and released it as a single and it obviously completely took off and tripled the sale of of the album yeah I Um, didn't realise that I didn't realise what order the singles were released in what was the first single then off the album I I can't remember off the top of my head I'm sure I've got it written down but I mean what we've got was Rich a single or do I just know that because it's the opener? That's one that feels very 2003 in like the guitar riff and stuff. I absolutely love that song. It's though. great. Oh yeah, I've said it feels very 2003 in the best possible way. Uh, and again, Karen's vocals immediately are just incredible. Go almost almost straight away into demonic possession yeah. mode. It completely sets the tone of the album. I think you've got. I mean, the one two of that and date with the night. You've got her completely just charging in and introducing herself as not your usual front one. Yeah. <laughs> like the the repeated choke, choke, choke bit of Date with the Night. <laughs> Under that wall of sludgy guitars and things. Like, it's just, yeah, it's fantastic. I feel like that one, I see Date with the Night is one I think is very sort of 70s, New York, dirty rock and roll feel to it. Yeah, that is such a great song. Yeah. I think I had that on my list of favourites. It's always the one, well, they always used to play at the end of shows. I'm not sure if they still do. Mm. But that would always be the one that got the crowd going. One, one, one that I really wanted to highlight, and it hasn't ended up as like in my top three songs at the end is "No, No, No." Um, Interesting. I really love the kind of dubby breakdown second half of that one, yes. and I feel like that's something that comes into their sound even more as time goes on. Is that dub and like that side of things? It's, that's interesting because I've read a few reviews of the album where people have said that section is just superfluous 
No, see, I think it's perfect. I think it's perfectly placed in the album as well. It's like two thirds of the way through. It gives you a breather from the chaos that's been going on and then leads into what I think is a rare example of an album closing stronger than it starts. I think the last, from then on, the last four tracks, No, 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 Maps, Y Control and Modern Romance, and they're my four favourite tracks on the album. Ah, yeah, Why Control is an absolutely brilliant song. Why Control is fantastic. And Modern um, Romance, yeah. I think, is just incredible. It's nearly up, nearly up there with Maps in terms of being a, a kind of affecting ballad. Yeah, I think they often... Yeah, 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 do ballads really, really well. This is So this is the big thing that I was talking about that I realised I've learnt about what I like about them as a band generally is that side of them the most. And that's why it's Blitz is my number one is for that side of it yeah because i think they're predominantly known for their really kind of energetic yeah. ferocious live shows but there is a really tender yeah. side to them as but well. but i think what's important is actually those songs only work as well as they do because they're in the context of that more energetic stuff i think if they just had albums of just that it's not as effective whereas having like a third of the album be like that amongst other more raucous stuff works really really well makes them stand out a little bit more you're gonna make me question my ranking (laughs) the other thing i thought about modern romance actually was very again new york link was um very very underground oh yeah i hadn't even thought of that but they've got to be an influence they've got to be an influence as well i mean they're probably an influence on most new york bands right um did you have any others that were kind of in your favourites I mean there's others we can talk about here for sure but any that you particularly had highlighted um so Rich Maps Why Control Modern Romance Date with the Night they're probably in my yeah the top my, yeah probably my highlights um it's hard to pick a weak moment really um I suppose the closest to a weak moment I would say uh, tick can be quite grating <laughs> yeah uh, which I'm sure is like absolutely intentional I think it's that's one of the most punk ones and I think I, re- I actually really like the sort of frenetic bumblebee style guitar bit that's going on there's like a weird like uh, a weird uh, lead guitar bit that's really cool it's just the most throwaway song I would say uh, see for me I think that ended up being cold light um, I find that slightly dull yeah tick and cold light were I think the biggest thing with Cold Light is it just kind of seems to lose direction a bit. Don't Col- really know what's Col- going on. I suppose at least Tick is memorable. Like, mm. I, I, Cold Light is the one that I would say kind of... I can't even really remember how it goes, to be honest, yeah. apart from the very beginning. It would have been... My, my other one that I, I was considering having as my worst is Black Tongue, which is very early White Stripe sounding. The thing that saves it for me is the fantastic lyric of boy you're just a stupid bitch and girl you're just a no good dick. <laughs> it's repeated as the that chorus. Is excellent. <laughs> uh, if you're going to choose a hook make it something like that. Fair enough. Um, yeah. A pin pin was a single as well which we haven't mentioned. Oh of course. It's another kind of iconic guitar riff. Um, and that kind of uh syncopated drum beat I suppose is the word the kind of the drum beat that kind of sounds like it's from a different song almost to that guitar riff at first and then it just makes you want to dance blends together yeah so yeah I think I mean and that's the other like I've talked about the those last tracks being my favorites I think that's another strength of the album generally is is how they put it together is quite clever with the 
that dub bit at the end of No No No, then you expect that as the breather to then go into another ferocious song and instead it goes into maps. Yeah. And that work that transition is gorgeous. I think generally as an album it doesn't really let up. No. It kinda of hits you around the face. It's kind of weird. It's kind of at the same time consistent and all over the place. <laughs> but it's all over the place consistently. <laughs> In the same kind of way, all the way through. Yeah, but I, I think intentionally all over yeah. the place. Whereas I think, like, well, at least one of their later releases, I don't know if it was intentional. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Shall we move on? So that was two thousand and three, uh, and we then go three years down the line to two thousand and six, and show your bones. And I get it sees the band kind of in that in that all too familiar situation, I suppose, of how do you follow up the success of the debut like that, and there way of dealing with that I watched an interview from around the time of this album coming out it was very interesting Karen O saying that from the very beginning they always knew that what they wanted to do was to never follow up an album with an album that sounded similar they wanted to completely shift and change direction each time yeah to not be predictable yeah I think they definitely did that I know some people were quite disappointed Mm. after Fever to Tell because obviously it was such an iconic sound um but obviously this this was the album that actually really introduced me and and to I think the band. Was, I think was the one that got the more widespread acclaim and success I'm not sure because I definitely saw them playing bigger stages and getting more mainstream recognition I think maybe in it the got UK like, like it got it got well this this one got um a Grammy nomination for best alternative album but it's like um, generally when you speak to people now it's just not up there. No, I think maybe for people, I don't know. Like it, like you say, I think it's the one, it's the one that came out after people had already fallen in love with them. Yeah. I suppose um, is is part of it. But they definitely, it sounds, um, it's more polished in terms of the songwriting and the production. It sounds more full and more deliberate, I'd say, and more restrained. Which I think is kind of maybe what I don't... The one thing that I don't like about it as much as Fever to Tell. I quite like about Fever to Tell that it isn't restrained. Whereas it feels like with this, they they definitely... That was what they tried to do, was to be a bit more... It's definitely a more delicate yeah. um, album. I mean, I think it kind of just picks its moments a calculated, bit Calculated, I'd yeah. say. A bit more calculated. I mean, it's interesting as well that they apparently during the writing and recording of it they had they scrapped everything and restarted and nearly broke up because they interesting you know trying to decide what to do and where to go with it yeah so you've got Sitek still on, on production but joined by Sam Spiegel who's the brother of Spike Jones, uh, who Karen was in a relationship with at the time her and Spike Jones were oh a I thing. didn't realise they were in a relationship yeah. I know they've worked together a lot yeah they were for a while um, and if we get a bit, and it's definitely, it's definitely got a more lush sound production-wise. It sounds a lot bigger, more bombastic. Like, I mean, well, open a gold lion. Like, I, I don't think I'd use the word bombastic to describe anything on Fever to Tell, but that's definitely how I'd describe Gold Lion as a song. Like, it's it's just a very solid sound and very in your face. Whereas Fever to Tell is in your face in a kind of rabid dog way. Gold Lion's in your face in a much more confident way, in a much more what are you going to do about this then. I'd still say it's one of Yeah, Yeah's best songs. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, and like I said, it was the first song that that I heard of theirs, I'm pretty sure. 
mm-hmm. um, just fantastic. I mean, uh, well, there's proof that of what you were saying about bands that were around at the same time. So that Reading performance of 2006 that we both talked about, mm. it was them followed by Kaiser Chiefs and then Franz Ferdinand. Yeah, so that's what I was trying. In, that's yeah. what I was trying to think where and, they were on the lineup. And it's telling that out of those that I saw all three of those sets. And the Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's performance of Gold Lion is the only one of those I can remember. Interesting. Really, that's the only individual song from those three sets that I can still, in my head, I can still see the stage. I can still remember watching it. Yeah. And a lot of that, yeah, was Karen O's stage presence and just standing there as a 18-year-old guy just going, what's going on? <laughs> what on earth is this? Who is this woman? What is this woman doing? <laughs> But in the best, like with a grin, you know, um, yeah, it's yeah, it's just such a good song. Everything about it, like the, the it's like I said, the production is so solid sounding. But then her vocal hook just being a noise, but yes. that immediately you can recall and get stuck in your head. There's no, you know, there's no. I, I think I'm right in thinking there's not lyrics to that bit. It is just a noise. Yeah. <laughs> essentially, I'm not going to do an impression. No, I was about but... to then and decided it was better not to. Um, yeah, like lyrically, it's. An incredibly simple but then, song. But then, but then it actually has a... I don't know if that's the chorus or pre-chorus, post-chorus, because right? then there is a like a chorus that, where the gold lion bit comes in in the lyric that is catchy as well. That's the verse, isn't it? I don't know. That's what I mean. Or it kind of all blends together in yeah. the end. It's one of those cool songs that kind of just layers up. Yeah. Again, it's my number one on that album because it's, it's just phenomenal. Yeah, I think this album has some absolutely incredible singles on it. I'd say Phenomena is another of my highlights. Yeah. Um, that was a single. And again, that's always incredible live. And again, I think uh, I thought that sounded like a more confident version of what they were doing on Fever to Tell. That's one of the ones where it still links back to that sound for me. Yes, very much so. It's called Psychedelic Moments. It's definitely one of the well. more kind of powerful. Yeah. Uh, I thought the one before that, Fancy, has quite a PJ Harvey feel to it sort of a grungy swagger that PJ Harvey's stuff has. Yeah. But that's one where I did start to feel like I missed the urgency and chaos of the debut a little bit. There's quite a lot of songs on here that I feel are restrained to the point of feeling like they get a bit tired before the end. Yeah, I mean, I don't know whether it's just my perception or whether it's actually the case, but a lot of the songs do feel quite long. Yeah, it's quite a long album for for this kind of thing, I think. Which again, when you've got yeah, when you've got songs like On Fever's Tale that are feel completely unpredictable and like they could just veer off at any moment, and these ones don't, they feel a lot more deliberate, like we said, and so it's kind of not as exciting when the song goes on for that long, I suppose. Um, but it, it isn't. It's not. It's not a frequent thing, but it is something I noticed this time round more. One of my other top ones I've got is another quite Fever to Tell feeling one, which is Mysteries. Yeah, that's sort of, that's another that's another top one for me. Yeah, so again, it's got that scrappy shuffling kind of thing yeah. come back. Uh, again, I thought of quite white blood cells era, white stripes actually. Um, but I think the thing that put that one right up there for me is in the second half. You've got that full on freak out section from all of them. We've yeah, that's what made it for me as well. Karen's growl going on, and just all the instruments just seemingly being thrown around a room. That's what I mean. They don't abandon that side no. of themselves completely, but it's a it's a yeah it's a much more kind of tender emotional mm. album. Yeah, I mean, and one the song straight after that, the sweets is the first kind of proper stripped back ballad of the album, which is which is pretty good again. Um, 
and after that warrior is my other that's my number two. Oh, interesting i really liked the um like the chorus is almost almost like a country country and western ballad in terms of the vocal melody it's very classic sounding yeah yeah the sweets was actually um yeah not a particular highlight for me no i've not got it as a highlight i just you know i found it interesting that given that because i think this is what she was talking about in that interview when they were talking about changing direction she said i think people would have she she felt like people would have expected them to see the success of maps and do a whole album of ballads and so they deliberately went bigger yeah uh, with fewer ballads this time round, so I think yeah that that, the, that it has it means that that one does you know has have more impact when it happens because you re- suddenly realise you haven't really had one. Um, I've got Dudley as my worst. Yeah, same for me. Feels very laid back and cool, but not that interesting. Again, it's a bit slacker. It's probably the one I always skip. Mm. And. Again, if, if you asked me to sing it, I probably couldn't. Yeah, no, no, I can't recall at all how it goes. One that I haven't got in my in my sort of top three, but I think is a fantastic closer. And actually, it's worth mentioning here that with one exception for me, their closers are always excellent. Um, I think Turn Into is, is another example of a brilliant one. Yeah, again, I think I'm pretty sure that was also a single. Um, yeah, definitely. That's the other one that I recognise the most, I think. Yeah, that's that's one of my top songs on the album, for sure. Um, again, the way it builds. I think, yeah, the, the second half um, with the kind of guitars mm-hmm. and again, the fit, breakdown. I, th- I thought, again, there's one that fits very neatly into the 2006 kind of indie sound, but doesn't feel tired. No, I mean, I, I to be honest, I think if it came out now, would still, you know, would still be received well. Yeah. Any other any other highlights for you here before we move on? I think for me, I I really love this album because it shows kind of both sides of what Yeah can do. I can see why that's an. I can see why that's a strength for you. I think for I think part some of the time for me, I almost see that as its weakness, and that it sits in the middle rather than convincingly committing to either. But I don't. I don't think that's necessarily true. I just think in my head that's how, almost how I see it. I see it as their most middle of the road album. I think on the surface it's definitely a kind of soft. It has less of an immediate impact. Mm. I think it's a slow, you know, yeah. it's a slow burner of an album. Um, and I think, you know, it's like beyond the big singles doesn't necessarily like grab your attention in the same way that Fever to Tell does. No. Um, but I think the the more you listen, um, the more those kind of eclectic influences, mm-hmm. you know, you've got that, like you say, like the hints of disco in there. And you do still have that punk energy just kind of occasionally creeping in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like towards the end of some of the tracks. Um, so, yeah, I love it. I have a, have, I have a real soft spot for it, um, probably because it was my kind of introduction to them as a band. Um, yeah, it's definitely a lot more subtle than mm. Fever to Tell, but it's... Know, and, and it's, you know it is my it's my number three, and certainly not as a not in a bad way. It's kind of, you know it's 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 an album I do like a lot, and like I said, the only one that I do actually own, or have ever actually owned a physical copy of on CD on CD. Okay, 
Ooh. Sorry, Chris is suffering because he's just taken a sip of what is it? A vanilla Van- cola sour from we think Pastor. Is that how we say it? We know we know that we've had a few of their sours. I think that's how you pronounce it. Oh, Cla- Clapton Craft, our local beer shop has yeah. them quite a lot. It's had collaborations with them. High Clapton Craft, High Pastel Brewery. They always. Ah, this is always my problem with theirs. Is I like a sour beer, but it's like Haribo Tangfastic sour. Now, if someone could please make that. Surely someone's working on it. Oh, Jesus, I keep sipping it. I'm not learning my lesson. Hmm. Yeah, anyway, sorry. We had a little break between albums there and made that Big choice. shout out to Pastor. <laughs> You're really pushing for this, aren't you? If any of our 30 listeners have anything to do with <laughs> If you happen to be an employee of Pastor, uh, Pastor Brewing? Brewer, brewing, sorry. Uh, based right. in Cambridgeshire, I believe. Sorry, this is this is now a sour beer podcast oh uh, wow well as as put something up me ready to uh talk about my number one yeah yeah yeah's album with vigor <laughs> <laughs> um, so we are uh on to 2009's it's blitz exclamation mark i have to say i am slightly regretting my ranking now all right I think I'm still going to stick with it because... So you had this one number four in the end. Yeah, which makes it sound like I don't like it, but I do. No, but you, said, you even said to me like yesterday, I think, that your top four was really difficult to choose between. Yeah. And if and again, if it's one of those bands that you really love, you love the band and they've and only I'm, got five albums. I'm like, very aware that I've put the new one very high. And I don't know whether it's just because... It might be the excitement of them being back. The things. excitement of them being back and being so good. I mean, I know we're not talking about that album right mm. now, but... Yeah they, yeah, they could have come back after all that time and been not very good. Yeah, I get it. Um, I th- well, and I think part of that is probably why this has ended up my number one as well, in that this album is new to me. Yeah, you never really listened to it at the time, I did didn't really know of its existence. When we were talking about in preparation for this a few weeks ago, and you were like, oh, you know, it's the one with the egg on the front. And I was like, <laughs> you, what? Um, Which is crazy, because this album was huge. Well, I know, and it, and it spawned their, actually, their most streamed song, yeah. which Heads I didn't realise. And actually, I realised... I actually realised I do know that song. I just didn't think I ever realised it was them. Especially the remix that yeah. would have been played in clubs and things a lot at the time and stuff. Like, all definitely. those clubs you went to well we're talking what we're talking 2009 would have been the third year of uni um, it's still a staple at indie nights yeah and I definitely recognised it but just never realised that it was yeah 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 I don't think and I mean it's worth mentioning while we're on it as well the album art is is brilliant it's so stupid but it's brilliant I think it's inspired I think it's probably my favourite it's yeah, it's great. Um, I mean, it's you know, this is an audio uh, format, but you can look it up. It's I Google assume is Karen's, a thing. I assume it's Karen's hand squeezing an egg, and it's just the photo is taken at the moment that the egg is bursting. <laughs> Why would it be Karen's? Well, it just looks like it. Oh Probably yeah, probably is. I it's don't quite know. Quite a feminine hand. I don't know. It could just be someone random. Just would make sense for it to be hers. Um. Yeah, 
like I said, I think it's this album's the one that's really made me realise that actually it's their softer, more considered, almost ballady side is the side of them that I think is my favourite side of them now. Whereas when we started listening through to the albums and making notes, I thought it was the like punkiness of Fever yeah. to Tell was what I always liked about them. But it makes sense considering Maps is the song that I really love, as many people do, that actually it's their don't know the more the more ballady side that that does seem to be what I'm drawn to um yeah and there's a beautiful mix of ballads and mm. disco anthems yeah. on this album I think uh, yeah this is the one where the disco stuff sort of starts to full force come in doesn't it yeah I mean lot. zero is an opener yeah the electronics and the synths are you know I, I mean you know I've, I've put it splits aka it synths it's, it's, it's that they are full on in your face going we're doing this now it matching the style of like we said they don't want to do the same thing uh, over and over again um, yeah I think it's, it's just I mean and it sounds fantastic we've got uh, so this time join, joining on production uh, with Dave Sitek still is Nick Lawney or Nick Lawney it's N-A-Y the ending of the sound I never quite know how to say it um, who I know mostly for his work with Nick Cave. So he, he produced Junkyard by Birthday Party, but he's also introduced every Nick Cave album between Nocturana and Skeleton Tree. So mm. all of the kind of more modern era stuff up until Ghosting. Um, and the Grinderman albums as well. Um, he also did Diamond Hoo-Ha by Supergrass, which is an album that I think is criminally underrated and forgotten about. It was their last album. Ignore I'm the sorry, ig- I don't know that album. No, it's great. Ignore the Ignorant by The Cribs. Uh, Freedom Refused Comeback Album. Hunter. Wasn't that terrible? No, it wasn't. Refused fans hated it because it wasn't The Shape of Punk to Come, but nothing was going to be The Shape of Punk to Come. Um, Hunter by Anna Calvi. Oh, okay. And Joys and Active Resistance by Idols. Okay. What a, what a CV. Uh, yeah, and... And this. So, yeah, it sounds great. Well done, Mr. Man. Well done, Mr. Man. Um, also, the thing that makes this one a bit different to, I mean, a lot of albums, particularly at this point, so it's 2009, we're fully in the period of time now where record labels have stopped really investing in artists and taking a risk on artists by 2009. Like, downloads were definitely a thing money wasn't coming in as much and so they weren't spending as much whereas this was quite a a a rare case of the label still just paying for studio time with the band going in not having anything written they went and wrote most of it in the studio as they recorded um which i think is probably a big part of 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 why it's i don't know it's it feels quite adventurous again to me I think is a big appeal of it again as well the fact that they've brought the synths in which a lot of the time I think it's an exception as well to that thing of a lot of indie bands get to like third or fourth album and they're like how do we make things different yeah. get out the keyboard um, but this doesn't feel like that this feels like it's much more of a conscious decision and something they actively wanted to do and I think again if it had been you know if, if it had been an album full of zeros and Mm. heads were rolls 
it would have been slightly different but I think you know some of the best moments um I've got skeletons is it skeleton or skeletons skeletons yeah third single as possibly one of my favorite ever yeah yeah songs it's, actually that's, that's my third favorite on here um again starts as a lush ballad but it's got that yeah it's it's not it's, it's that mix isn't it it's that it's that ballad but it's got those a word I've used a lot with the synths in this album is pulsating there's a lot of kind of throbbing <laughs> synths um but it's kind of almost lower in the mix on this one it's like a background thing almost like you're standing outside of a club um really and it, um I'm not I'd say I'm not a massive fan of Carano's lyrics a lot of the time like I'm not not a, I'm not actively I don't dislike them but it's not something that stands out to me very often I'd say as it does with some other bands but for, on Skeletons it's a very simple but very kind of cryptic and beautiful set of lyrics for that one. Oh yeah I absolutely love the lyrics on that song yeah, yeah there's a particular album and where the lyrics aren't <laughs> strong but it's not oh, this yes. one um, yeah really cool mix of analogue and electronic drums sort of coming in on the second verse with Skeletons as well yeah really like that song I mean I'm amazed when I listen back to it I listened back to this last night just to kind of decide is it definitely my number one and again those opening the opening one two of zero and heads will roll are, are both fantastic songs and neither of which are in my top three really yeah but they could be yeah. which is the strength of the album heads will roll i really like that almost rather than the kind of fuzzy 80s synth going on it's more of an almost organ sound going into that one yeah I know like it's almost mean. almost more yeah. goth disco you know which is my bag i enjoy that <laughs> I mean, I've got a great quote uh, from her for that about that song, actually, I've just found uh, in my notes, which is, uh, she said, I figured if we were going to write a dance song, it should be about heads bouncing on the floor in murder and slaughter. Wonderful. Love you, Karen. <laughs> I'm pretty sure for that tour, they had giant eyeball balloons. <laughs> Fabulous. That they just threw around the crowd. And then they go into Soft Shock, which... Like is where she's using her more sort of vulnerable vocal range again. That sort of much softer, yeah, way of singing. That yeah, and that song's really grown on me because I I used to think it was a bit of a a kind of after after two such incredibly mm. like fast paced addictive songs. It was a bit of a kind of yeah, you know, bit of a letdown. But well, it's actually as much as those first two are much sort of bigger and a more immediate soft shock has got a more of a rawness to it mm. um i've got then so we've talked about the they're the opening four tracks we've talked about then we go to dull life which fittingly is my worst really yeah that's I'm one of my not, favorites i think it's i think it's one i think it's the one that sticks out as not fitting in with the rest of the album yeah i mean i saw it as a bit of a hark back yeah to... yeah and which which is what surprised me because I thought I would have liked that but actually in the context of the whole album I think it means it just sticks out and doesn't fit yeah and also I'm I'm very rarely keen on when guitar line and vocal line um, echo each other or mirror like are doing the same thing at the same time which this very much does where the vo the guitar backs up the vocal melody for some reason, I really don't enjoy when Chris is a that. nerd. I just don't enjoy it when that happens. Chris is a nerd. I can't help but notice it, and my ears can't let go of it. Uh, bit, there's some, something about this one that was very block party. I thought as well. This album? No, that song. Oh. It's a particular bit. There's a particular bit straight up, like an instrumental bit straight after the chorus. I think. 
I'm not sure. That's, that feels very block party. Yeah. Um, let's, yeah not, just, let's not get into block party. I just kind of, I, I just kind of got a bit bored of it by the end. I think that song. That was the one. Yeah. You sounded like you were a bit more keen on it. One of your highlights, do you think? Yeah, or? I think just again having that sort of. You know, I'm a big fan of the eight years earlier stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. You yeah. um, <laughs> said it again. Oh, for goodness. Do you know what? It's made me realise that it's so much part of my... Uh, what's the word? Vocabulary. Yeah, but it's not, is it? It's, not, it's a phrase more than the word. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. I say it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I say that thing lots. We got a front, I mean, from that we've got Shame and Fortune, which I can't really recall too much. I've, I've put that it feels a bit like an awkward sister of an average Show Your Bones track. This is the thing with this album. Um, I would never really listen to the second half of it. Okay. I think this is my my weak point is those two songs in the middle. It's Dull Life and Shame and Fortune. Shame and Fortune, I think, has a really cool thick synth break that goes on in the middle. And it's got more atmosphere to it than Dull Life's got. It fits in with the rest of the album in that way. But it's one of the less memorable ones still. Like, I've definitely come to appreciate it more recently but I think when it first came out I was pretty much mm. just though yeah those two big singles and didn't probably didn't investigate the rest of it as much as I should have done I suppose it's, a, it's something they've taken a risk on there isn't it actually is putting those two big singles at the top of the album it's one of those things that yeah. bands tend to do a lot that you kind of think mm, does that mean the rest's not that good and the rest of the album is quite different in pace. From yeah, those, they're definitely the two most in-your-face ones. Although, mm, yeah, well, no, yeah, they probably are, really. I think Dragon Queen is, is another very, <laughs> as the title might suggest, very kind of disco, almost funk yeah. uh, song. Got. Um, I had that as one of the weak points, actually. It just, just doesn't... Okay. We've got, we've got um, Tunde, the vocalist from TV on the radio, doing guest vocals on that one, but I can't say I actually noticed it. No. I, I saw it in the notes, but I don't think I particularly noticed it while I was listening to it. Um, Runaway is my second favourite, which is another... Yeah, no, that is a good song. Another kind of classic Karen ballad. Um, and that piano, that like high-pitched piano intro is gorgeous. And then there's like... Uh, it just uh, the, My favourite thing about this one, and my number one, is, is how they layer... It just builds up and builds up and builds up with layers of things. So with Runaway, it's it's an orchestra that they have gradually coming in bit by bit. You know, that's that's probably why um, some of the songs didn't grab me when mm. I first listened to them it's because they're progressive. Yeah, and you've got like I mean, they they clearly took it took that sound that they wanted for that song seriously because they've got um, Greg Kirsten on piano and James Scarpantoni on cello, who are kind of two renowned session musicians mm. um, doing, and they both have kind of solos in that bit as it's starting to sort of swell with orchestral stuff you can just hear like a piano solo and then a cello solo amongst it all which is just fantastic yeah really really love how it does that and again something completely different to what they've done before by doing that and different and kind of I suppose in that sense different to a lot of the other songs on this album with the electronic heavy stuff going to a more organic instrumentation to create yeah. that same effect but for some reason doesn't stick out to me as much as that as Dull Life did I suppose because yeah. it was still pushing forward rather than looking back maybe I think if this 
uh, yeah I've come to appreciate this album in a different way I think um, even though it's still fourth on my list like mm. I think the beauty of it was possibly a bit lost on me the first time around I mm. think if it had come out now I would probably think about it differently oh, and, de- and well, definitely like I said like my first listen through to all five albums and I just listened through to them to see what I thought this was right at the bottom because it all just went over my head just I was listening in the background whilst yeah. doing other stuff and it's the kind of album where if you do listen to it like that other than, like you say other than those first two songs nothing really grabs you no but when you sit and concentrate and listen to it it's beautiful um which again leads to I mean you've got Hysteric which has a really good chorus not got much else to say about no. that um, but then my number one is The Closer Little Shadow and that song has been stuck in my head all week ah of course I love it absolutely love it they closing tracks mm. and you've got Imad Wasif sorry if I pronounced that wrong providing extra guitar as well like Indian sort of Indian he plays guitar in an Indian-y kind of style. I don't an Indian-y style. There's a word for it, you know, to do with the... Do you mean sitar? To do with, no, to do with the, like, scale that he uses and things. I don't bloody know. I'll ask Arcadi. He's the theory guy. Um, But, yeah, again, it's another one that's just a progressing, building song that but it just... It gets big, but it stays beautiful. Um, There's a really cool burst of sound that sort of shimmers in halfway through and I don't know what is making that noise or what combination things is making that noise but it is is fantastic feels very cinematic I think that's probably the word that gets what I like most about this album actually similar, yeah, similar to Runaway you're right. um, and it's just a perfect closer to an album like this I think as well really really love it and just that just the initial beginning soft chorus has just been going round and round my head. I think I need to listen to that song again. Interestingly, as well, I had it. It was in my head while I was cooking yesterday, and I couldn't actually. I didn't actually remember what it was. It was just the tune was in my head, and I heard Dallas Green singing it. So, okay. uh, give me a City and Color cover of Little Shadow, please, Dallas. Thanks. Just so I can hear if it Why sounds like it does in my head. Why not give us the tune now? No, I'm not a performing monkey. <laughs> Go and listen to my songs that are actually on streaming services if you want to hear me singing. Uh. <laughs> then I'll get a tenth of a penny out of it, at least. Nah, that's okay. <laughs> a shining endorsement, as if you've ever needed one. Hey, I've heard them... Too many times. Many hundreds of times. Uh, anyway, that's going uh, to be us for this half, I think. Time to take a break there. Time to drink some more sour beer. I mean, I'm trying. No, I like it. It's just... Um... Provided with compliments by our friends at Pastel, <laughs> Cambridgeshire. All it cost was the price of a can. Uh, yes. Anyway, see you after the jingle for uh, what shall be an interesting, I'm sure, chat about Mosquito <laughs> and then their most recent album, Cool it down. Ta-ra! 